Ladies and gentlemen, super excited to share this episode of the Gird Up podcast with you today because our very special new guest, Mr. Mike Yarborough, uh, is one of my favorite podcasters. I listen to his podcast all the time. Uh, it's one of my favorites that I listen to just about every episode he puts out, which is super cool. Uh, very excited to have the opportunity to interview him. This first episode going up today is mostly talking about Mike and about his various companies, uh, which you'll learn a little bit more about as we go, uh, but also about uh, character and masculinity in the modern world that we live in. Uh, welcome to anybody that's coming on and listening to the Gerda podcast for the very first time. We're happy to have you. Make sure you're following us on Instagram in particular, but also Facebook. And there's a Facebook group there that you can answer a couple questions and get yourself into. Um, we are super happy to have you. Uh, glad to have you joining us today. Um, this episode, like I said, is mostly Mike talking about his different projects and companies. Uh, but next time, we're going to have a good in-depth conversation about homosexuality and transgenderism as well. So make sure you're tuning in again. Um, without any further ado... I want to introduce Mr. Mike Yarborough on the Gird Up Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Gird Up Podcast. The call to gird up is an ancient way of telling a man to prepare himself for hard work or a battle ahead. Our work is to reclaim masculinity in the modern world and to live out our calling as men of God. Here you will find a community of believers, brothers in Christ, working hard to become the men that God has called us to be. I am your host, Charlie Jungemach. I'm a teacher, a coach, music director, and a man of God, myself working toward the goal of, like David, being a man after God's own heart. We're happy you could join us. Now it's time to roll up our sleeves, to gird up, and become the men that God has created us to be. All right, so you are Mike Yarbrough. Uh, you are the host and well, be host and curator, right, is, of yeah. the uh, the Wolf and Iron podcast. You got a couple other things going on. You got Rustic in Maine, uh, which I'd love to talk about, learn a little bit about, um, and uh, all kinds of cool stuff going on. So, how you doing? I'm doing just fine, man. How are you? <laughs> I'm great. Loving the summer. Loving a yeah. little bit of freedom to go along with it. So, uh, now where are you located again? I'm in Milwaukee. I'm in Milwaukee, okay. yeah. So your, your summers are probably more tame than ours. Ours are basically mosquitoes and uh, and sweat. But <laughs> yeah, I'm in North Carolina, so it's it's kind of like that. Not as bad as, as South Carolina. We always like to make fun of them, but you know. <laughs> yeah, I believe it. Our summers are pretty tame. Uh, we'll get like three or four weeks every year where it's up in the 90s, but otherwise, otherwise, uh, like this week, it's 76 or something every day. Uh, Humidity is at like... 80 percent or so so really not wow. bad at all yeah yeah that's awesome yep yeah so it's, it's, it's obviously hot down there right now yeah it's really humid uh everywhere you go i mean if you're doing any kind of outside work you basically walk outside sweat and make some decision about when you're going to change your clothes once or twice during the day because it's it's pretty it's pretty rough so <laughs> so pretty easy segue here then does that humidity affect the woodworking stuff that you do oh that's a good question yeah um a little bit, actually. So we just had, so we moved into a new space and uh, we got about 3,000 square feet and half of it is shop space where we make our rings with rustic and main. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so there's a good bit of work, woodworking and stuff that goes on in there. Well, there's there's a lot of glues and things like that that happen during the process. And so actually the humidity did seem to affect, negatively affect uh, how the, some of the gluing process was going. So not only that, but it was just freaking hot. So <laughs> we, uh, it's, it's uh, the shop part is, 
it's insulated, but it's not. It wasn't air conditioned, so we got some AC pumping in there okay. now. We've insulated the garage door, and uh, and that's help helping out tremendously. So, yep, on track. <laughs> awesome. So you're not in your garage anymore? No, no. We moved out back in April, so we've been in this building now for a few months, and it's just awesome. I mean, we're we're already about to run out of space, but it's you know it's just how it goes. <laughs> you just we're like a goldfish. We just keep growing until you know we we're at, busting at the seams or whatever. Awesome. So you want to tell us exactly what Rustic and Main is and what you guys do? Yeah, so Rustic and Main uh, began as a side project back in 2015. Um, well, not even as a project then, just kind of tinkering around. So we, we, what we do is we create wedding rings out of these historic woods and unique materials. So we have woods from World War I, World War II, rifle stocks, battleships, things of that nature. And, uh, and then we also have people send us like grandpa's barn wood or mm. something meaningful to them. Uh, we use... Elk antler, bison horn, uh, military uniforms, all kinds of stuff in our designs. And, uh, and these things have just really taken off. And so in 2016, I launched a business called Rustic in Maine. Um, that really began to take off later that year. And then in 2017, last year, June of last year, uh, I quit my job. I was a software developer before that, and I quit my job to run this business full-time. I've brought on uh, my wife and I just have been a dynamic duo in this, in this business. And um, she has some great gifts that, that I don't have, and I have some great gifts that she doesn't have. And uh, we've brought in about uh, now, we've got about 16 to 18 employees, kind of depending if you're thinking of full-time, part-time um, kind of stuff. But uh, so we've, we've grown tremendously. It was busting out of my garage, and, and really it was. It was just a, a home-based business and just kept growing and growing. And then um, now we've moved into this, uh, this business, uh, this building here in, in, uh, in Huntersville, North Carolina. And we're just just rocking and rolling. It's great. It's been just a fantastic project. Unlike a lot of businesses that really struggle to get off the ground, you know, I can't claim credit for coming up with the idea of like, uh, you know, knowing that I was going to do a wedding ring business that was going to do so well. I didn't have any idea. I just thought, okay, this will be something that I'm passionate about, making stuff mm-hmm. and things that have have a story and have a meaning behind it. And um, and I just want to see where it goes. And it just it really just took off like a shot, and it's been a, a real blessing. So would, were you like making wood rings and stuff before then you just kind of like, like emerged into a, uh, a business or how did, how did that work? Yeah, I've always been a maker of things. Like I've always been a woodworker, a tinkerer of kinds. And, um, uh, I, I, because of all the typing I do with Wolf and Iron, the blogging and then the, um, software development that I was doing my, I got kind of like a carpal tunnel feeling in my hands mm-hmm. and I had the typical gold ring like everybody wears. And uh, it just felt cold and heavy, so I stopped wearing that. And um, for about six months, I didn't wear a wedding ring. And one day, I just—I th- I was in the garage just on the weekend. And I thought, you know, I'll just—I'll drill a hole in a piece of wood. That's not how we do it now, but at the time, <laughs> I was like, I'll drill a hole in a piece of wood, shape it out into the form of a ring, and we'll just see what happens, right? Yeah, you don't want to give away so, your trade secrets here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, yeah. And that's—I mean—that's not how we do it now. And I wouldn't recommend buying a ring like that, but. I wore it out that day and I started getting compliments on it. And actually the lady who was cutting my hair. She said, you know, would you mind making one for me? And I was like, well, I should make one for my wife first, I guess. And then, you know, but I made one for her and, uh, and then made one for some other people. And it just kind of became a thing like, okay, people think these are kind of nifty. That's good. But then I, I wrote an article about it on Wolf and Iron actually. Mm-hmm. Um, so about a year before we launched, launched the business, I wrote an article on Wolf and Iron and just basically here's my steps of how I made a wooden wedding ring you know, no big deal. And, uh, it became one of the number one articles out there. And, uh, I was like, okay, so people are interested in this. 
And so it took a good while for me to really think about how do I want to do the process to make these things you know, last, make them durable, but also to weave story into the product because I don't want to just have things that look nice. I want to have things that have some kind of tangible meaning, some, something that people connect with. And um, so it took a while to put that together, come up with the name and that kind of stuff. And then we launched and um, just started doing really well, almost out of the gate. <laughs> cool. That's super cool. Um, so do, how much interaction do you get with the people you're making the rings for? Do you just kind of like get an email and say, hey, this is what I want? Or do you get to kind of get in on the story a little bit too? You know, this is actually something we really just recently began to appreciate is that we do have some customers that have just a tremendous story. Um, you know, one guy had his uh, – is now his, his son and, and daughter-in-law. They're both okay, but they got in a car accident. And if I re- remember the story correctly, they hit a tree. And I don't remember if the tree saved their life or if the tree was just kind of uh, – so, it had something to do. It was a, a big, meaningful, impactful mm-hmm. event. And he and the, the dad wanted to get these made these rings made for his son and, and daughter-in-law and just told us that story, and it was just really impactful. And we've had other people tell us these really, really neat stories. Um, they'll send us ribbons from World War One, World War II, uh, probably World War II mostly, uh, you know, and stuff like that, or pieces of, of um, infantryman's uniform of, of some kind. Um, and, and we get the chance to know a little bit about those stories. Now, most people just order a ring, but uh, on occasion we, we capture those stories and what we're going to begin doing is actually turning around and taking pictures of the rings, but also telling that story, um, with some anonymity to it. So we protect the people's, um, names and all that kind of stuff, but right. basically telling their story on rustic and Maine because we want people to hear that and, and make those connections. Like things that we do in life should have meaning, right? Everything that we do should have some sort of meaning that that something that we really connect with it shouldn't always just be for aesthetics and that's it yeah especially something with the uh, emotional and uh um uh what's the right word uh like reminiscing isn't the right word but something with that with the weight of a wedding ring especially um you know it, it means a lot to somebody it ought to be something important to them yeah yeah exactly very cool so you mentioned uh wolf and iron a little bit uh, you want to talk to us about Wolf and Iron and what that is yeah. and how that got rolling? Yeah, man, I'd love to. Uh, so Wolf and Iron is uh, a blog, a mission that I started back in 2013. And the the tagline is basically helping men heed the high call on their lives. And so, you know, I believe that every man has a high call. That means to be a, a better father and leader and husband, example setter and so on. But unfortunately, we just don't see a lot of examples of that. I mean, even a lot of times our military uh, servicemen and women, you know, they're they're seen as more, they kind of get victimized out there. That We don't even get a chance to see them as heroes as often as we would have in the past. And certainly, um, I grew up with some examples from the greatest generation, the World War II generation. They, you know, my grandparents raised me for a good bit of my life. Um, but, I, I, you know, on a daily basis, we just don't see men being men. And we certainly don't see the media pushing that because they're kind of anti that. And so I began Wolf and Iron really as a way of, of just helping to express what I believe it is to be a man and to give some guidance to that. And so we began with the blog. Um, that's kind of transitioned more to podcasts now. Uh, in January, we'll be transitioning, not really transitioning, but we'll be adding on the Foundry, which will be our membership site. And so we're kind of gearing up for that and, uh, and really just trying to get the, the kind of foundation set for what that's going to be like. But basically, it's just helping guys get examples of what it means to be a man, to have a place to, to, to come and, and speak to other men about life as a man. Um, we do that through our Facebook group, and, um, and we'll eventually do that through the Foundry as well. And so that's really the goal there. I mean, and, and I do similar things like what you're, what you're doing here right now with the podcast. I 
interview people for the podcast. Sometimes I just share my thoughts uh, as well on the podcast. Sometimes it's based in just uh, cultural stuff, like societal things that are taking place, things we need to be aware of and talking about, the discussions that everybody wants to have but nobody's having, it feels like. And then, uh, and then sometimes it's interviewing guys that just have expertise in some area and, uh, and we, can, we can certainly benefit and learn from. Absolutely. I love it. Uh, you are a strong stated Christian man, uh, especially in your podcast. Was that part of what, uh, the mission was to begin with, or is that just kind of, because that is who you are, it, it kind of gets wrapped into the podcasting and, the, and the, uh, blogging. Yeah, it's, it's a good question. You know, when I started Wolf and Iron, what I didn't want to do was come out and say, uh, not that I'm a Christian because I'm not, I'm not embarrassed by that. I wanted to have a strong Christian statement as you've kind of picked up on but what i didn't want it to be like a like people would get me confused with some division of like family life or something <laughs> like that you know because there's so much of a of the watered down kind of whitewashed versions and and really commercialized you know mm-hmm. it's christianity for Christ, christians mm-hmm. you know um, i didn't want to be that i wanted to be genuine i wanted to be uh, you know a, a man who appreciates um you know the stoic philosophers and uh and things like that and can read read books and, and quotes and things from people that, you know, I may not agree with their whole life, but I may agree with some aspect of, uh, of their life or may appreciate them in some kind of way, maybe for their literature, maybe for their insight during a time period. Um, but you know, a lot of times when you go into churches, you get told you can't say things, you can't, you know, read about certain people. There's certain books you should stay away from. And I don't want to be that at all. I don't think that's, that's not me. That's not how I operate anyhow. And so I never really put Wolf and Iron out there as like, a Christian blog for Christian men. It's always just been for men, but Hey, my worldview is a Christian and I'm going to be very open about that. And it's going to come through in a lot of the things that I do, hopefully everything that I do. Absolutely. And that's uh, very similar. The way you kind of stated that reminds me a lot of, uh, Stephen Mansfield too, where he says, yeah. this is who I am and this is what I believe. And obviously, you know, my thoughts come from there. Uh, but this is, you know, men who want to be men. This is, this is where you want to be. So, Cool yep. stuff. I, I appreciate it too. When you uh, not you don't necessarily drop it. You kind of uh, it just is an outflow of what you do. So I appreciate it. Um, it's a good good reminder often of what we ought to be thinking about and where we ought to be headed. Yeah. Yep. Uh, so when you uh, when you're doing a a podcast and and blog for for men, do you get? Um, let me think about how to ask that question too. So, do you see <laughs> do you see big changes in your own life happening as a part of it? Like, do you see yourself growing, or is it more kind of uh, you pouring love back into the world type thing? Oh no, no. I mean, anytime you become a, a leader or like uh, as a teacher, right? I mean, you're gonna uh, you're you're learning the subject in order to teach it. Man, you're really learning it, right? It's mm-hmm. a different experience than it is um, if you're just trying to just take it in for your own sake. Uh, you, you go more, you go more, much more deeply into historical things, um, especially if you know you're going to be talking about something and you don't want to sound like an idiot, <laughs> you know, on a podcast <laughs> or whatever. Uh, but there is, there's tremendous growth. And there's also, there's, there's a, I, I guess it's kind of a, I mean, I, I still have a, a fairly small podcast and a, a fairly small audience, but I, I, I think there has to be some similarities to being like, I think about like what celebrities go out and they, they feel like they have to, mm you know, be in shape and people are judging them about what they eat and that kind of stuff. Well, I don't have that issue, but I do have the issue of, uh, am I living it out? You know, that's the kind of thing. I think if somebody sees me and I'm wearing a wolf and iron shirt and maybe I'm in Charlotte and somebody knows me or maybe listens to the podcast in any case, you know, are, are they going to think Mike's living it out? You know, he's, he's really living what he believes 
or is he just a guy that's sitting behind a mic talking about some stuff that sounds good, but at the end of the day, he's just a, a rude guy and doesn't really doesn't practice what he preaches. Uh, so no, it does. It definitely does affect me, and it, it, it convicts me a lot of times. And uh, my wife actually uses it to convict me sometimes. I mean, I, I don't always appreciate it. Actually, I never appreciate it in the moment. <laughs> but you know, later on, I think about it, and I'm like, you know what? She's right. You know, that's that's not a very wolf and iron thing to do, or or, or an approach to life, or whatever the case is. Um, and so, yeah, it, it's definitely helping me grow as a man for sure. Yeah, I've uh, I've got a couple. So my. Uh a lot of the, the guys that are listening to my podcast also, I get to work with them during the summer. And one of them is a, my cousin, who's also a good friend. But he's in high school right now. And he, over the summer, yeah. a couple of different times, he said something to me to the effect of, hmm, I think I heard about this on the Gerda podcast. <laughs> Glad you were listening. I better close my mouth pretty quick here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, awesome. Uh, do you Did you have, like, a demographic in mind that you were reaching for or just men in general? You know, I you know I come from the the software background as I kind of mentioned, and one of the things that I've learned is is not to make too many assumptions up front, and um, you know, kind of learn as you go. And so my my demographic was really, if I had to say anything, it would be fatherless men or men who uh, want to be better fathers than than what they had, and that's just a huge demographic. I mean, I don't even know that's not that's not mm-hmm. much of a demographic. That's too many of us in America these days. And so. Uh, there's some of that, you know, but it wasn't like, you know, rich, white, black, Christian, you know, anything like that. It was just sort of, you know, whoever wants to listen, let's see who it is. Right. And as, uh, as the podcast has gone on and as we've done more articles, uh, it's definitely, you know, more popular with guys between the ages of say, you know, 25 and 40, uh, maybe even, you know, 30 and, and 50, something like that. But it's, it's just in that sort of that middle age, right? I mean, we're we're all kind of coming from a background of uh, many many of us anyhow are coming from a background of not having fathers in our lives, not having dads in our lives because of the generation in which we've grown up in, and unfortunately that that hasn't really changed. I mean, the next generation is going to experience much of the same, um, most likely, and uh, and so, uh, but we're all kind of hitting a, a point of life where we know we need to be a father or we need to be a leader at different points. And so sometimes that happens in our 20s, sometimes it happens in our 30s, sometimes it happens in our 40s. But when we hit that point and we're like, man, I'm up against something that I just don't have, um, I don't have an example for. I don't know how to mm-hmm. act with this. I, my marriage is falling apart. I don't have the relationship I want to with my kids. I'm acting just like my parents did, whatever the case is. And when that, when that sort of season of life takes place, that's when guys kind of really tune in and they really begin to dig in and think, okay, I've got to better myself. I've got to lose the weight. I've got to, you know, under, uh, learn things that I didn't learn, you know, learn when I was growing up. I've got to start paying attention to how I spend my money, um, how I speak, how I think, and so on and so forth. And that's when podcasts like this, podcasts like mine, um, that's when they become really important. So uh, you listen to a lot of podcasts and stuff then? You know, I didn't actually. And I, I'm pr- probably still not a very... <laughs> a very dedicated podcast listener. What I do is I listen to podcasts based on. Um, I mean, I listen to things like Jocko, yeah, Jocko Willink. You know, I, listen to him. <laughs> yep. I listen to him like you know uh, maybe once a month uh, just to get kind of pumped up. And then uh, uh, there there are a couple other podcasts I listen to. A lot of them really revolve around um, leadership, entrepreneurship. Um, even now, I'm listening to a podcast. Uh, it's called Member Site Academy. It's really really good for anybody who's starting a membership site. And, uh, but it's very practical and, um, I've never been one of those guys and, and, and I really didn't listen to podcasts before I started my own, which would have been way helpful <laughs> if I had, 
but I, I've just uh, I was more of an audiobook kind of guy. I guess I still am. I love to listen to an audiobook and just get that you know bigger story or a, a bigger piece of history and um, and that kind of stuff. So, but I do still. I mean, I probably follow probably fifteen or so podcasts, but I I only I kind of binge listen and then move on. That's kind of how I do it today. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, any audiobooks you had that you suggest every man ought to listen to? Yes, anything by Wendell Berry. Uh, you should listen to Wendell Berry. Uh, yeah, Wendell Berry. He's an author. Uh, he's still living, as far as I know, unless something's happened in the last few days. But he's uh, he's an American author, older older gentleman, and he he basically writes most of his books. Kind of come from a, a town, a fictional town called Port Williams, and uh, he writes any basically kind of slice of life kind of stuff from that town. And um, I don't really know how to explain it and make it sound good. But he's, he's just, uh, especially if you grew up in the country at all or in a smaller <laughs> town, you'll really appreciate it. Simpler times, but also um, just very just very good, just a very good writer. Um, a lot of times he'll harken back to the early 1900s and kind of take a story all the way up into like maybe the 1960s. Oh, wow. And, uh, and just kind of following a, a, you know, somebody from a boy's life through adulthood and then maybe even grandkids. And, uh, and sometimes he'll break that up into a couple of different books. Um, but still in that same town. So you'll read one book and get some of a person's life and you'll read another book and you'll get another piece of their life. And, um, so, uh, but anything about Wendell Berry, uh, a couple of good books, obviously, um, uh, oh my gosh, what am I thinking of? The Jocko book. Uh, mm-hmm. uh I can't think of it right now. I got it on my, my shelf. This is where I normally like pause my podcast and go look <laughs> it up. Yep. Me too. Um, me too. Uh, Extreme ownership. That's it. Okay. Yeah. Uh, okay. Thanks, Brian. Good job. <laughs> so, extreme ownership by Jocko's was really, really good. Um, gosh, there's a number of books. I mean, anything, but it, particularly that one for an audio book is fun to listen to because if you listen to the Jocko podcast, you know, like Jocko's like Jocko Willink. You know, he's all tough and stuff, and yeah, you're like lots yeah, of audible pauses too. Yeah, he's like he could just kill people with his voice. <laughs> well, he reads. He and Leif they read the um, they read the book. And then they get to these points where they're kind of talking to the executives at um, at whatever company, like using an example, and they change their voice a little bit, which is kind of funny because they go from being like, oh, super tough and seal-like to being like, yeah, you know, Jocko, I don't think this is going to work out. You know, uh, this is not a good idea. I don't see this plan coming together. You know, and they it's, it's funny to, to pick up on that and listen to them, you know, kind of narrate that. Very so cool. Good. Very cool. So I've got you for about five more minutes. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So these two questions I always ask. Uh, you can probably tell I copy these from other places, but that's the that's the rule for a teacher is beg, borrow, and steal. So uh, uh, two questions. First one, if you okay. could go back and talk to your 18-year-old self, what would you tell him? Oh, that's a good one. Uh, 18 years old. I'm trying to think about what I was doing. <laughs> hmm, I was just enlisting, listening, enlisting into the military. Um you know, I, I think if I had to give myself some serious advice, I mean, I've always got corny advice I give myself as an 18-year-old, <laughs> but as, a, as serious advice, I would say, you know, look, you're going into the Navy, and your job there is going to be to serve, and they really don't have McDonald's on the ships, and they don't have bowling alleys. Forget what the recruiter told you. That's not true. <laughs> is You're not going to enjoy enjoy it for the sake of yourself, but if you could get into a mindset of just understanding that you're there to take somebody else, another American's place, basically, and uh, and to serve, uh, you're going to get a lot out of it, and and look forward um, to meeting unique people. And I think that hopefully that would have reframed my perspective because when I went in, I just didn't have that mindset. I was there for myself. I wanted, you know, I went in because of the the things that the recruiter sold me on, and that just wasn't um, 
it, it really led me to a path of, of disappointment when I got in. And uh, there were a lot of things about the military that I just didn't I didn't expect. I just didn't know. Like I didn't know how um, unorganized in a sense it was, or how much there was the hurry up and wait and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Which, Someone who grew up to be an entrepreneur that likes to make their own rules and, and stuff didn't you – know, wasn't, wasn't really the best fit. But a warning, a heads up would have been nice. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and then the last question I always ask, uh, so how many years, though, did you serve in the Navy? Did you do four years and, and out? or No, actually, I was in – I signed up for four years. I only did two, two years, and then I got out. Uh, okay. At the time, this was when Clinton was in office, and uh, I basically just put in some paperwork and said, I don't want to be here anymore. And uh, – and they, uh, you know, it took like five months, but one day we're out on a deployment and the paperwork came through and said, okay, you're free to go. And so I got out on what's called an honorable hardship discharge is basically okay. honorably discharged, but basically just, you know, that was it. Yeah. Uh, I got to keep all my benefits and stuff, but I, you know, I tell you what, I had a lot of, um, uh, I had a lot of dreams, uh, like nightmares basically. Uh, I think I felt really guilty about getting out early. Uh, I was bored out of my mind. I, the the job that I went in for basically got replaced by uh, some outside vendors and stuff like that. And so I was kind of in this weird limbo state in the military on a ship. And so I, I wasn't doing anything. I didn't feel useful at all. But at the same time, I felt really bad about um, about dropping out. And I still do. I wish I could have gone back and made made it made a different choice in some kind of way. Yeah. Well, and it's one of those things you got to live through, too, in order to be able to look back and say, I'm going to do the future differently, too. Yeah, so exactly. seeing things through like that. All right, last question. Uh, I ask it of all my guests: What makes a man, or what makes a Christian man? This is good. Uh, you know, if it was a, a simple answer, you and I wouldn't have a podcast, and there would be like a one-page book we'd, we'd you know put out there, and everybody would read it, and they'd be like, "Oh my gosh, these guys are so smart." <laughs> um, it's really not a simple answer. I think that there are a lot of you know aspects to it right i mean even if we look at christ and we go there's the ultimate example of what it means to be a man maybe even just to be a human uh on earth uh but certainly to be um certainly to be a man and and that's not simple i think that um ultimately what it means to be a man is that uh, you understand and, and appreciate your masculinity and i think that you also put on virtues that that emulate christ and uh, and and you and you express those virtues in, in a masculine way, and what that looks like, something that really can't be desc- you know described is something that can be shown, something that can be demonstrated, but it's difficult to to explain it. You know, um, I think that a, a man, you know, it's hard to say one virtue is more important than another, but I would say you know a man wants to live and, and be honorable in all that he does, worthy of emulation, and so I think those are you know uh, just trying earnestly being genuine to follow christ but then also just honorable in in your actions and your mistakes as well very well said all right uh so if uh, anybody is looking for wedding rings i gotta look you up at uh rustic in maine how do you spell that yes yeah, rustic r-u-s-t-i-c and a-n-d and maine like main street m-a-i-n so rustic and okay and then uh, if they want to hear more from you go find you on the wolf and iron podcast which by the way, is one of my favorites. Uh, it's always on awesome. my queue coming in. Uh, so thank you for that. And uh, yeah, if they want to get a hold of you, find you on what, Instagram, Facebook. Do you yeah. have a Twitter? I don't. It got shut down. <laughs> you got shut down. Okay. Can I ask before? <laughs> I don't know. I oh, mean, they said I violated, they, I violated policies. And so I was like, okay. I, <laughs> yeah, I would wear that as a badge of honor these days. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. So find you uh, mostly uh, Wolf and I are in Rustic in Maine, correct? Yep. If you're going to yep. find you. And then 
Awesome. Cool. So I know your time is valuable. Thanks for being on with us. Absolutely, man. Glad to do it. Yeah. God's blessings. Have a good one. Same to you. All right. Thanks for listening to the Gird Up Podcast. If you like what you're hearing, you can find more episodes like this on SoundCloud, Spotify, iTunes, the podcast app, and Pippa. If you want to follow us on social media, you can find us on Instagram at Time to Gird Up. You can find us on Facebook at the Gird Up Podcast. Or if you want to email me, you can email me at Coach Ungemach, that's U-N-G-E-M-A-C-H, at gmail.com. Please leave a five-star rating and review on this podcast on iTunes. The more four- and five-star ratings we receive, the more people we will reach on iTunes because iTunes will boost us more. Thank you to Seth Palmeyer for our podcast art. And thank you to you, the listener, because without you, this podcast would not be possible. So with that, I encourage you to go out, man up, gird up, and become the men that God has created us to be. Have a good one.